0: So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello, and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're back being joined by Sue Bowles. Good afternoon, good evening, Sue Bowles.
1: Good afternoon
0: again. It's lovely to have you back on again. I mean, listen, we got a chance to hear a huge amount of your stories last time. So, I mean, I'm delighted to have you back here. I know even since we we last spoke, uh, for me personally, actually, your story it really resonated with me, Sue, and, you know, this is why I'm, I'm sort of, I'm quite quite struck by uh, the option, the the opportunity to speak again, so I, I thank you for that. For the benefit of people, if you would be so kind as to sort of introduce yourself, tell us where you're from and a bit of background, that would be awesome.
1: Sure. My name is Sue Bowles. I'm coming from Central Ohio in the United States, and I appreciate the opportunity, again, to uh, have an extended, extension, so I appreciate that. I really enjoyed our last conversation. I am a certified master life coach I'm also a speaker and an author and uh, you know, speak on some podcasts and um, trying to figure out how, how to best summarize things from our last, from our last discussion. Uh, probably the best way to put it is that I've had a lot of trauma in my life and it's really only been the last six years where I've done the hard work of healing and I've gone from considering myself the holy exception is what I called myself that everything was good enough for everybody else but me. I was too screwed up, too far gone. I was hopeless to now doing this. And, and if you had told me this six years ago, I would have laughed at you. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm just one more living example that no one is too far gone and there's always hope.
0: And I suppose to... to. Um you know, I, I would strongly recommend people go back and listen to the, the, the first episode where you, you know, you, you very kindly share a lot of your story and, and a lot of your pain and, and really sort of so much of that that went through. So to give people a bit of an example or give people a heads up about what it was, so it was a childhood trauma that you had experienced and um you're now 56, if I remember yes. rightly. So, and, and this event, particular event happened around the age of seven, Correct, I believe. Yeah. Um, and so really your sort of awakening process, if, if mm-hmm. that's maybe the right thing to say, really started for you about six years right.
1: ago. Right. I had, to, for, for those who hadn't listened to it, I'm a childhood rape survivor. I was raped by a classmate when I was seven years old after school one day in fourth grade. But the other side of that story is that it was a 15 year secret where I didn't tell someone into my senior year of college. So that was back in the eighties when I told somebody and here it was 2014 until I really started dealing with this directly. And I mean dealing with the rape specifically from the framework of being a rape survivor. And I said on the last show as well, is that anyone who has experienced that no matter how much time has Past since the event, When you do the hard work of healing, you experience the exact same things as if it happened now. And that is this gut-wrenching no matter what you have. There are extra twists and turns because you have so many other layers of life on top of the events that you have to scrape off and, and let those heal a little bit and then continue to dig. So I'm not saying one story is any worse than another or any harder than another each story has its own merits i'm saying that if someone does not share with someone what happened to them and it becomes a secret that adds to the challenges that are already immense and monstrous
0: thank you again for sharing that and you know it's it's there's the, the so many, it's a, it's a tragedy in so many levels, you know, one for the physical event itself, you know, and, and, and actually what happened, but then the 15 year secret, you know, and that's, it's, it's heartbreaking in, in so many ways as well. Let alone the sort of the life that you had, a, you know, up really sort of ongoing thereafter, you know, so it's, it wasn't just one event. It's, it's, it's impacted your whole life, right?
1: It has. And now that I'm on the other side of healing, and, and let me back up. There are still things that were offshoots of being a rape survivor that I still struggle with now. And and, and I, I'm, I'm more aware of them. I have a better toolbox to be able to deal with them and handle them and keep them under control. But there are still effects of it. And, and a lot of it has to do with you know, inner security and um, being seen and being liked and, and those kind of, you know, be feeling like I have value. So you know, there's still aspects that still affect me. I'm just more aware of it and I'm able to better balance that and, and because I'm aware of it, be able to counter out, counterbalance it so, so that it doesn't get out of balance. But yeah, it, it affects so many things. And excuse me, I didn't realize, it wasn't really until I was writing my book that I realized a lot of things that ended up being very therapeutic. I learned a lot about myself when I wrote my book. So, um, but you know, while I wouldn't wish that experience on anyone, and let me say again, the only person who did anything wrong that day was Bobby. It was not my fault, it was not anybody else's fault. Nothing that transpired after the event was wrong in any way. It was, it was. So I'll I'll leave it at that. Bobby was the only one in the wrong that day. But what I can say is that, and I I don't want this to sound bad. It's gonna sound weird to a lot of people. Looking back now, while I don't like the event, and I would certainly change that event, I wouldn't change the process that I have gone through Through the healing process and and it can be very hard to separate those two but what i mean is that through having to face myself and deal with my story i had to come to grips with it first of all i had to learn to accept my story and i say that and i write about in the book but i say that because i didn't like my story i hated my story which equated to hating myself, because I equated my story to myself. And through this entire process, I have been able to separate. My story is part of my life, but it is not my life. And I am not my story. My story no longer defines me. I define my story. And I now allow that event in my life to be one part of my story, but not the entire story. So when I say I wouldn't change the process, that is what I mean. And, and if anyone has gone through a similar experience, first of all, my heart goes out to you. I am sorry you have to deal, or you are dealing with that, and you did nothing wrong. And I want to encourage you to stick it through There is hope and there is life on the other side of the mountain. As I said before, you have to go through it. And I'm one person here to say it is worth it. It's worth Every time you want to punch a wall, every tear you cry, every time you want to withdraw, every time you think about things you shouldn't do, it is worth every single time because you are worth it and you will get through to the other side.
0: I think from what you, you know said and what resonated so strongly, strongly with me the last time is the the volume of clarity you had got in the last six years. And that's the bit that really struck me in terms of, one, how long the event, how long you'd carried it, you know, between the secrets, between the processing, and, and of course, life, life goes on as well. There's other stuff in life, you know, just all the... <laughs> you know, the, the, living, the surviving, the sort of earning a, a wage and doing everything else is ongoing. So this is layered in all through that. But then the clarity you have achieved, you sort of more recently. And I think that's what blew me away in terms of, you know, how actually you've, you know, you have ch- completely changed the polarity of the story, if I, if that's a fair thing to say.
1: Sure. It, it, yeah, that, 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 that basically resonates with what I just said, that my story no longer defines me. That mm. event is no longer my story. Mm. It's one part of my story, but it no longer defines me.
0: The the term, you know, sort of child childhood rape survivor, it almost doesn't feel like a strong enough title, if you don't mind me saying. You know, it's, it's almost right. because whenever you're surviving, there's, there's always still sort of a a master child relationship there if that makes sense I don't know I don't know if I can eloquently put this across but it's you know a survivor sort of means to have had a survivor then you have to it has to have there has to have been an event so you you sort of you are something after the event whereas actually you you've always been something so I was just curious when you used the, the term and I was wondering you know is there a is there almost a next level to that when you take ownership and, and you know, when that, as you say, you control it, you know, you control the story, not the story controlling you.
1: Mm, that's a good question. And I use the word survivor over victim because if I, if I call myself a victim, I continue to let it control me and identify mm. and define me. And when I use the word survivor, that's a very empowering word. Because it means I control it. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, I, I, I live through the attack um, and I lived through the effects of the attack, but I, I'm more than that attack and more than the effects of that attack.
0: Of course. What yeah. would be
1: a stronger word? I don't know. I mean, warrior comes to mind, but I'm not gonna say I'm a warrior for childhood rape, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I, I don't know what would be a stronger word. Mm.
0: Um,
1: to, you know, to me, you know, warrior is definitely stronger, but I don't think it is an accurate, I don't think it fits for this particular situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it, it was just one of those things as you were speaking, I mean, it it, it doesn't do you justice, I think is, is, is my question, but, you know, and, it's, and that's, and that please honestly take that as a compliment, you know, it is genuinely and, meant that way. It's It's, it's very much a, you know, it, it's it's amazing to see how you have inverted the power on that and been able to, you know, use it as a power source as opposed to taking the power from you. You know, so it's a it's an awesome thing. Just remind us again, really, that the process over the last six years that you've gone through and and you know how tables have turned for you.
1: Yeah, it, it started with a retreat. And uh, for those who didn't catch the first version, the first episode, um, there was a gentleman named Rich Mullins. He was a Christian musician who, by the way, absolutely loved Ireland. And uh, visited there many times. And Rich was killed in a car accident in 1997. In 2013, 2014, there was the movie that came out based on on Rich's life. The movie was called Ragamuffin. I saw the movie a number of times. It was right as I was starting to deal with the rape, so it was a very hard watch for a lot of reasons because it brought up a lot of the things I was struggling at that moment in time. Um, later in that summer, the folks who made the movie and the family and friends of Rich decided to do a retreat to continue the conversation about the themes of the movie, which had to do with reckless life, reckless abandon, living a life of reckless faith, family relationships, masks, and taking off our masks, being authentic and being real. And I, I took the risk, I took a gamble, and I went on that retreat. Um, one of the staff members since called it a Hail Mary for me, for me to actually believe that God and his kids could actually love me. And that cracked the ice. That cracked the iceberg, and it started melting that, that weekend. And things just continued to build since then. Each year I went on the retreat, each year I grew more, each year more of the iceberg melted, and it, through this time I was also writing my book, so it, it, it kind of all fell in, into the line all at the same time, and it really actually wasn't even until this year at retreat, retreat was the end of June this year in 2020, and I walked away with something that I didn't wasn't expecting, I wasn't looking for, but it was exactly what was needed. And that typically is what happens at retreat. And, and this one, it, for this one, it, it was kind of like the final marker for me. And, and I think I explained last time about leaving my Ebenezer. In, 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 in the Old Testament, Ebenezer is a marker, in the Old Testament, it was a pile of rocks. And you would leave that as, an, as a reminder to people who came to yourself and the people who come in the, come behind you this is where God met me and at retreat this year I just very clearly just heard the message of it's time to move on I had been you know, this year has been very exciting for me with a lot of opportunities opening up which absolutely blow my mind and I was still struggling with a little bit of why me it's just me I'm just sue there's nothing special about me why all this fuss and so I, that equated to me not fully embracing God's next step for me, still kind of doubting a little bit. And, and through retreat this year, I just, I let go. It was, it was The message was very clearly, trust and believe, it's time to move on, leave your Ebenezer, let's go. And, and, and so I did that at, at, at that retreat. I just, I let go of, of the, the strands of insecurity of questioning, of self-doubt, of, God, is this really what you're asking of me? Why me? And and I let go of that and said, why not me? My voice is just as important as anybody else's. I have a story to tell, I have an encouragement to share, and there's a reason for everything that has happened at this point in time, and I need to just be bold and walk in that. So it has been quite a metamorphosis in the last six years. Of going from holy exception, I'm too screwed up. Nobody could love me. To being on podcasts, doing national conferences. I mean, speaking, being a life coach, having all this stuff. It just—it kind of gives me whiplash at times. It really does. It's very exciting, but I still kind of—it still feels very um, unreal and surreal, and yet very real all at the same time.
0: I love that. I mean, that's, I mean, one, it's very humbling, but, you know, also the, the fact that you're actually finding your voice, yeah. you know, and so it's, it's a beautiful
1: place to be. It is. And, and that's, that was half the struggle over the last six years of, of the process of finding your voice starts with believing that you have a voice and that you have something to share and that it's worth hearing. And that boils down to having to believe that you have worth and that you have value. Because when someone has victimized you, when someone has raped you, when someone has has, you've been a victim of trauma in whatever way, you've been told you don't matter. You have no value. And you don't matter to anybody. And especially when you don't know how to process that, then you start to believe that. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you get caught in that trap. And to go, from, to go from that and having to start, start to believe and trust, and, and it started with trusting what others were telling me. And I had to just keep having them tell me and let them tell me let them tell me. And I didn't ask them to tell me. They just told me in whatever different ways that I had a voice and that I mattered. That's why that retreat is so special to me because those people just loved me. I said it before, they were Jesus with skin on. They didn't judge me. They didn't worship they could of me. They simply said, we love you. And God loves you. And we're going to sit with you through this. They didn't tell me what to do. They didn't tell me what I should do. They didn't tell me what someone else should have done. They just loved me and accepted me. And that, especially that first retreat, that showed me that mm-hmm. I was lovable. And it might have been a while until I really started sinking my teeth into that, but that started it. Because then once I realized that God did love me and that other people could love me, just like my friend said the Hail Mary about, uh, that started planting the seed and watering the seeds, that if they love me, that means I have value. That means I matter. That means I have worth. And then it became a process of Having to fight through, like you were talking about earlier, there's layers and layers and layers of everything and everyone telling me I didn't have worse, and it was like trying to fight from the bottom up and trying to think Superman plowing up from underground and having going straight up and everything. That's what it, that's what I would equate to if I had to find a visual of plowing through so many layers of under the surface of the earth to plow my way out to believe that. What they were saying is true and then to accept that and then live in it and believe it and tell it to myself and then to now go out and tell it to others um, it, it has been an indescribable process and journey but yeah when you find your voice when you get through that process and realize that i do have a voice and I got something to say, and by golly, I'm going to start saying it. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it.
0: I can see it on your face. It's great. You know, that, you know, it's it's actually letting it out and letting it go. Yeah. Two terms you used there was, you know, worth and value. And can I ask what, what, what's your worth?
1: Wow. What's my worth? First and foremost, I'm a child of the one true king. I'm a child of God. So, my worth is the fact that Jesus Christ hung on the cross for me and that he gave up his life for me. So, that's the first and foremost, that's my worth. After that, everything pales.
0: Hmm. And value?
1: My value is that I have something to say and that now nobody's going to hold me back. I'm not even going to hold me back that's what happened at the treat this year is that I was still getting in my way with self doubt.
0: I'm out of my way
1: now. So my value is that I have something to say. I have a message to share and nothing is getting in my way of sharing it And that I will share it loud and clear, loud and proud if you want to use that phrase because other people need to hear.
0: In terms of, the connection or the relationship, you know, what, what is your take now? I mean, you, you, you know, you, you talk about your attacker and what energy or what, what connection do you have to that now?
1: Honestly, I don't, um, can say what connection I have to it. help me understand that a little more.
0: I, I suppose what I'm really getting at is, is toward Forgiveness. If it's possible.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it took a lot. For the longest time, like, I thought I forgave Bobby, and it kept coming up with my counselor. It kept coming up. And I always thought forgiveness was the one and done. And I realized that wasn't the case. And maybe that's something somebody needs to hear. It's just because you forgive someone something once, doesn't mean you're not going to have to do it again and again and again and yet again because each time it's forgiveness at a deeper level. It's forgiveness at a more substantial level and a more foundational level. Um, As I've gone through that process, as I've worked with my counselor, I'm to the point, um, if I, uh, I don't know how it would be if I ever came face to face with Bobby again. And I, I really haven't given that any energy. But I know I can say with surety that I feel compassion toward him. Because something had to be going on in his life for him to do that. And for him to have knowledge of that at age seven. And that saddens me for him. So I pray that somewhere in the course of his life, he's come to terms with whatever was going on in his life and he was able to turn his life around and did not become a further offender.
0: Yeah. It's such a, I mean, they talk about forgiving and, and then forgetting. I mean, I don't think it's ever a thing that you'll, well, will you, I don't know. Will you ever forget? Can you forgive and forget? Or is it, is forgiveness sufficient?
1: I think forgiveness is sufficient. I. I this is gonna sound weird. I don't know that I ever wanna forget because, mm-hmm. and, and let, me, let me try to process this while I say this, because I, 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 it's gonna sound really weird and I don't wanna lose anybody. I don't want to forget my story Mm. or this chapter of my story because it allows me to have credence and and authority, if you will. Um, Permission is the better word. It allows me permission to speak into other lives. And Mm. I don't want to lose that. You can speak it all you want, but as someone who has lived through it, It gives me authenticity. And from one survivor to another, authenticity is where it's at. And authenticity breaks through the wall and makes you not just another person telling you that, but a living example of, of, okay, maybe it is possible. So when I say I don't want to forget, that is why, because it gives me authenticity. And I can now use that
0: to influence other lives. And that, I think that is, that's so strong. I can understand that, you know, to remove that event would leave massive sort of holes in, in your life journey as such as well, you know, so it, it it's, I suppose it's almost like a, a knot in a tree or something else. Eventually it just becomes all inclusive, but it's, it's neither, you know, it's neither harmful nor an issue anymore. It's just, it is, just is.
1: Yeah. And and I, for the longest time, I couldn't understand how anybody could ever get to that point. I I just, I thought that was fake or, or, or I thought that too was good enough for somebody else, but not for me. That wasn't ever going to happen in my life. They didn't understand. And, it wasn't so much them that didn't understand, it was me that didn't understand. Now I understand. Now I get it. And uh, I can say being at peace is a wonderful place to be. I can say it does not come easy. And it was hard fought. And for the longest time I thought was out of, ra- out of reach and out of grasp. And again, the process of the last six or seven years is what brought me to this place. But it, it was because there were so many people surrounding me that loved me and believed in me and just accepted me for who I was. They were people who showed me the love of Christ. And had I not had my relationship with Christ to start with, um, I don't know I'd be in this place.
0: Is there an element here, and, and again, I want to f- phrase this correctly, but is there an element where you have to forgive yourself too?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I went through all the what I should have, could have. when I was first dealing with, Amanda is my counselor. And when Amanda and I were really getting into it and digging into it and dealing with it, I went through everything. The current day survivor goes through. I went through. It's my fault. I did something wrong. I should have known better. If I had only not done this. What if I had done this? Where was God? All those something. What some of, a sudden, what's one of the things we talked about last time? And um, I shared it last time. I'll share it again. The hardest homework Amanda gave me was we were first starting. She would give me homework each week. And she's the only counselor that's ever really done that. And I, I, I really liked her homework. I think for all the time, except this one time. <laughs> and, uh, and now I even appreciate it even more. My homework one week was every day, 10 times, look myself in the mirror and simply say out loud, eyeball to eyeball, the rape was not my fault. And I wanted to say, it wasn't my fault. And it was not, wasn't good enough. I had to name it. Because if you don't name it, you're not identifying the specific issue. If I said it, it could have been anything. So she made sure I named it. And for the first couple of days, that was hard. I said, it very emotionless. It was, the rate was not my fault. The was, you know, and, and it wasn't, I didn't say it 10 times, you know, at once, I, you know, she wanted me to stagger it throughout the day. And for the first couple of days, that was really hard and I was not buying it, I was not buying it. It was lip service, literally, just lip service. And after about the third day, the words started coming a little easier. And then they started coming easier. And then I started to believe them. And then they really started coming easier. And by the time I saw her the next week, Sure enough, she had me say it to her right there in her office. And, and I squirmed a little bit, and, and my eyes glanced around a little bit, but I said it. And then she asked how I felt when I said that. And, and, and I think I said a little bit of, a little relief. And, and that gave us more starting point. But yeah, I, 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 you have to forgive yourself because you didn't do anything wrong. And and to not forgive ourselves means we're still buying the lie. What are we not forgiving ourselves for if we didn't do anything wrong? Why are we leaving ourselves on the hook? What? Why are we buying? If we did nothing wrong, we have nothing to forgive ourselves for. And that's what it boils down to. I've become a very bottom line kind of person, of you know, to cut through it all. And I do this with myself. I cut through the brass tacks. And I'm having a conversation with myself. Like, Sue, if you're not forgiving yourself, why, what are you holding yourself on the hook for? If the rape is not your fault, then why are you still blaming yourself by not forgiving yourself? I'll have these conversations with myself and that is what it boiled down to for me. If I believe this, then this is the action that needs to happen. If I believe the rape was not my fault and that Bobby was the only one that did anything wrong that day, then, I need, then there's nothing to forgive myself for. That's a big leap for a long time. Like I said, I didn't get there overnight. I struggled with that one for a really long time. But I did get there.
0: It's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many lessons in there. I think, well, one is, is you know, credit to you for, for showing the dogged determination to, to do it. And I mean, through your journey, I'm sure there must have been a word there. You tell me, I mean, in terms of your journey and, and, you know, self-worth, self-value, I mean, were there ever times when you just go, this is not worth it? I mean, does that, does that happen?
1: Uh, yeah, I use that phrase with my counselor an awful lot. So <laughs> awful lot. And, 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 the story goes like this. There were many times when she would challenge me with something, uh, might've been when we were working on boundary issues or whatever, or in you know, relationships with somebody. And I was like, it's just not worth it. Yeah, she would be pushing me on something and and I just kind of put up the wall, it's not worth it, you know, and just kind of bail out. And she would look at me and and I write about it in my book. She would look at me and say, what you're really saying, Stu, is you're not worth it. And I was like, ouch, (laughs) I don't like that, but it's true. And um, so yeah, I went through that a lot. I heard that from her a lot in the early earlier years. Because she was, she was right. Because when we believe we're worth it, we will go through whatever it takes to get to the other side. We will fight and crawl and, and, and dig through whatever we need to to fight for ourselves because we know what's on. We may not know what's on the other side, but we believe in the hope of what is on the other side. Because we've seen enough of a glimmer to know there's something on the other side that I want and I'm not going to let that out of my reach. I might have to crawl on my stomach through some slime, but I'm not going to keep laying there in that slime because there is something on the other side. So I'll go through whatever I need to because I still believe in what's on the other side.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I love that. The fact that you know, to get that clarity um i suppose i mean for me it's it's you know you're the epitome of like the iceberg effect you know it's like there's been so much gone on under the water to to present you as you are today mm-hmm. you know and it's not i think there's there's two parts to that one is to say it's you know it's 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 a journey yeah. uh, and there's a hell of a lot of hard uh-huh. work and and determination and bravery i think is is the right word maybe bravery um, and
1: courage sure
0: to, to, to do that. Are you proud of yourself?
1: I'm mighty damn proud of myself. <laughs> and it took a long time to be able to say that. Because again, that shows how much I believe in myself and that I have value and worth. What I have gone through, um, I don't say I'm proud of myself to puff myself up because it's not about me. It's about the grace of God in my story. And that's what I want heard. That's what I want heard is that it is not about me. It's about God and it's about God's love and grace and, and me clearing out all the junk so that it can flow more, so his grace can flow more freely through me to other people. So I, I'm, I'm proud of the work I've done so that I can get to this place and, 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 but I don't want to become prideful about it. Like, look what I did. I'm so great because I did this. I, I, I don't want that. And I hope it doesn't come off that way. Because like I said before, without the grace of God and God's love pouring through other people, and ultimately my relationship with Christ being that foundation, I don't think any of this would have happened. Without that, I probably would be dead by now. Dead serious. At my own hand
0: and that, that's the harsh reality i think as well when people don't have that belief understanding in their lives that it's harsh to, you know hard to say but it is you know if you don't have something else then those questions of is it worth it am i worth it are gonna fall on fairly follow ground
1: i think ultimately we all want to believe in something bigger than ourselves. If the world, if, the, if, if what we have now is as good as it gets, <laughs> I was going to leave it right there. Uh, you know, that hope that um, na- what I call nagging optimism, that there's something bigger and better is what keeps us going. When, when we lose sight of that, when we start losing hope, when we start losing purpose and value and all those things, is when we start to look inward and we don't like what's inward and we don't know how to fix it because we don't have those people around us to give us a little bit, to be that flashlight in the middle of the woods at night. We don't, you know, when we don't have that, the struggle is, I... I know what I felt when I had those people and and I've had the glimpse of what it's like when you don't have those people. And there's just a weight to it that cannot be described. And it is everything you can to hold on. And and, and, it's almost like you wanna ask somebody to throw you a lifeline, just give me a reason to hope. And, and ultimately it comes down to having to dare and risk it all to reach out. That's why when, when I speak, my, my underlying main point is, is it's okay to not be okay. And that first step is to reach out. You know, My step ahead, what's my next step? The first step is always to reach out. That's why I speak on that so much and make that such an emphasis. Because until that courageous and bold step is taken, not much else happens. And nothing changes to get you out of the situation you find yourself in. And no one else can force that step. It has to come from them.
0: I'm curious, just by coincidence, I've been reading The Power of Imagination by Neville Goddard. Okay. And in there they talk about saying that there's a number of things and I'm, I'm going to shorten it right down so it's, it's slightly out of context and stuff. But in that it says, I am basically so so that I know I am the Lord and beside me there is no God. But then further on it's saying, now that I know my awareness of being is God. I, I know I've, so the I know that I am the, the the person is i am uh, the lord and the second part really that i've, I've just particularly highlighted here is saying uh, i know my awareness of being is god so there's mm-hmm. two parts and I'm, I'm curious just you know one i sorry i know i've just thrown you completely in the dark end here but no, just, that's cool
1: that's cool
0: <laughs> um i'm just curious to know i mean how does that resonate with you because you, you sorry you you come across there god as a is a third person entity to you it's it's someone you you look upon you know and then there's some people will say well actually god is your awareness it's actually it's he's within you if you be kind enough to sort of give me your take
1: sure um the spirit of god lives in me okay. you know, I, i'm a christian so the holy spirit lives in my and lives in my in my life lives in my heart and uh, I have yielded control of my life to God through that. So through that, that is where my power comes from. And, and, and I, don't, I don't even like using the word my power. That is where the power comes from. That's where the power to endure everything I've endured, the power to, and the courage and the strength to go through the healing mountain comes from. And that is where the strength and boldness to now speak about it comes from. It all comes from the Holy Spirit dwelling in me because that is what gives me life. That is where my life comes from. That is what gives me purpose. That is what is larger than myself. We all have the capability of making ourselves really big and that's when I say that that's where larger than myself comes from. Because the Holy Spirit is, I mean, it's the third person of the Trinity. Come on, he's been around the whole time. So it's a lot, a lot bigger than a little pee on me, you know, mortal me. Um, so, yeah, when you use that, you talked know, you talk about you know, the awareness of I am, the very The very first retreat, they talked about I am. And about I am in the past, I am in the present, I am in the future, and I am being the name of God. I am that I am. And that was really powerful for me and had such a far reaching effect on me because it helped me me realize that um, I wasn't abandoned. And I think I was talking about it before, of one of the things I had to deal with was being hacked off of God. Dear God, why did you let Bobby rape me? Where were you? You abandoned me. Why would I let you, why would I believe you love me now? I went through all that. And I had to come to the conclusion that God was there. And that God did not make anything happen. That was the huge thing for me. And it took a long time to get through. And it's got some theology wrapped in it and everything. But what I mean by that is that ever since Adam and Eve screwed it up for the rest of us, <laughs> is the best way to put it, we've, we live in a fallen world. I think I said it last time. Snow was not in the Garden of Eden, <laughs> you know. Snow. Is, I had a pastor say snow wasn't part of the plan. It's part of the fall. So, uh, but where I was going with this is that because of that, God allows free will, and He doesn't want robots, so He doesn't choose what somebody's going to do, and you know. We're, we're, we're not a bunch of robots and he's up there with a remote control. Okay, well, this this day, I'm gonna have Bobby do this to her. No, that's not the way it works. That is not loving and God is love. So when that happened, God saw what was happening and his heart broke because Bobby chose wrongly. And I had to come to the conclusion that God was there and that while he was there and didn't stop it, he was there, his heart was breaking and he was waiting for me to run to him and that he was there protecting me because he sent my mom to come looking for me. That was my escape out of the woods was when mom came looking. So God loved me, and he worked through my mom that day to save me from whatever might have been next. So so God was there, and he was working through other players to show his love. It took me a long time to see it that way because I expected God to not let anything bad happen in my life. Because if you think about it, to go through to have the attitude of, well, why why did God let Bobby do that to me? That's implying that God is evil. That's not God's character. God isn't evil. God is very loving. So I I know it's kind of of a a, a deep thing to try to get into. Um, But when we talked about I am at retreat, that really challenged me to realize that God was there. And his heart was breaking. He wasn't sitting there laughing at what Bobby was doing. His heart was breaking for Bobby, and it was breaking for me. And that's what I needed to know, because that tells me God cares. And that because I'm in an evil world, evil will happen, and that God is not going to stop that evil right now, because he already has it beat at the end. But because of that evil, evil things happen. In spite of that, despite that, God still makes it work together for good. And, and that is what's happening now. A lot of things, you know, God meant what, what, what the enemy meant for evil. God, meant it, you know, God turns it for good. Everything that has happened in my life, that day was evil. There's no other word. It was evil. But everything that has happened since is the process of God working it for good to bring me to this point where I can share with your listeners and I can share through other speaking or through the book or through presenting at conferences or life coaching or whatever. It all comes to this is part of the process of God working it for good. That is when you say I am, that's an example of I am. He was in the past, he is in the present, and he is in the future all at the same time.
0: But Random, where where does evil reside?
1: Where does evil reside?
0: Mm.
1: Satan. I mean that he's the source of evil. And then you know it, it can it, it resides in the hearts of all men. And there's only one one. Cure one rescue for that, and that's Jesus Christ.
0: I mean, I'm sure what's the expression, you know, to err is to be human, you know, so we're <laughs> we slip off the bandwagon then again, right?
1: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it, 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 and no one is perfect, there, there's no one perfect but God, you know, there's no, no one is good, not one is, is, is what the Bible says. You know, you hear the question, why do, good, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and I had a pastor say it one time, and i love loved it ever since. That's the wrong question. The wrong question is, why do good things happen to bad people? Because the Bible says no one is good, not one. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single one of us. You know, it, to share a little bit about the Bible, James 2.10 it says, basically, if you are guilty of breaking one commandment, in God's eyes, you're guilty of breaking them all. Well, let's see, I've lied, I've stolen, you know, I've done all these things, you know, so I guess I'm screwed, aren't I? But God says, no, here, here's the out. Here's the hope. The hope, the cure is in my son, Jesus Christ, and allowing him to take control of your life. I am evil. I am an evil human being in and of myself, left to myself. All of us left to ourselves, we aren't going to like ourselves. I am only where I am, as I said from the start, by the grace of God. That is the only reason I am where I am now. It's because I let, let God take over my life. And I finally said, I've screwed this up too many times. I have proven myself that I am incapable. You're capable, you can have it. That's what it boiled down to. I had no regrets over that decision. None whatsoever. Life got fun starting then. It got, it got to be an adventure then.
0: What's the journey been like for your mother?
1: Uh in what regard?
0: you obviously processing but I mean it's for anything to happen to a child you know parents I know myself you know you, people say well I, I would take the pain any day of the week to save you know, the pain from my child or whatever and and I'm just you know you have gone through a whole whole process mm-hmm. journey you know but I'm just curious you know your, your mother and, and you know the people around you it's a journey for them too right
1: it is and, and that's you know the first thing i put in my book in the acknowledgments it is a thank you to my mom and dad and and because um you know while a lot of things happened growing up that weren't right you know because i better understand the pain they were carrying in their hearts i better understand why things why some things happened again it doesn't make them right but helps me understand. But our relationships are restored, and they're better than they've ever been. There, there was one time where I was so mad at my mom. I, I didn't use this word of anybody else, but internally, I consider myself estranged from mom. She's across the hallway from me 15 feet away, and I'm her caregiver. I don't think we're estranged anymore, you know? Um, you know, my dad is, was my biggest cheerleader. Now, you know, when I told dad, you know, it was... Neither mom nor dad knew about it until the last ten to fifteen years, and um, mom knew before dad. You know, and and you know, reactions are hindsight, you know. So I'm not going to get into that. Um, but you know, I think the look on my dad's face said it all when I told him. He at first he just went. Then he looked at me and just hugged me. And then since he has said that it's probably good he didn't know at that time so he would have gone looking for somebody, you know, as any dad would have. Uh, my brothers have since said said he wouldn't have been looking at alone. So, you know, you know, you hear all these things um, that as adults we joke about, you know. But um, you know, I I my story, because I've been so public with it, is also my family's story. And, and you know, my siblings, obviously when I'm sharing some things, <clears throat> you know, that kind of involves them too. And yet they have been nothing but supportive. Nothing but supportive. You know, they cheer me, they're excited for me. They tell me to keep doing it and go for even bigger. You know, they're, there's freedom. There's freedom and it helps Break the chain. It helps break. Um, it helps break through the lies. It helps break through um, the secrets, so that we can all live in the light. And while we might still, you know, while we acknowledge the past, it gives us more appreciation for the present, and we treasure the present even more because. We have now what we didn't have grown up. So we all, we all sink our teeth into it.
0: <clears throat> What's, what mantra do you live to now?
1: Hmm. What mantra do I live to? My motto, you only have to be a step ahead to help the person behind you. you know, I don't have it all figured out. I haven't arrived. I still have things I'm working on about myself. I still see my counselor. You know, there's, I took the master certified life course and there was something within that that really brought up an emotional reaction that she and I are still working through now. So, you know, I, I still need help just like the next person. And so I remind myself when I start doubting myself, when I start questioning, when I start falling into the woulda, shoulda, coulda expectations with, you know and falling into the everybody else expects me to have arrived to have this platform and and i have to remind myself only have to be a step ahead so only have to be a step ahead as long as you keep moving others will keep moving
0: so i love that i mean it's it's there's so much clarity in that you know and sort of only only needing to be a step ahead you know to help others i think it's such a it's a beautiful mantra because you know, the, the whole thing as well of, you know, well, at once I'm qualified, once I'm, you know, I've written the book, once I've done this, once I've done, it's actually nearly too late at that point because the gap between where you've come from and where you're going to is it's, it's huge, you know, in the ground that you've covered that actually maybe it's, you're not as relatable almost potentially, you know, because, I'd imagine, you know, being in that situation, you know, a, it's, it's baby steps. It's one little thing at a time.
1: So no, yeah. I, I, I think it's yeah. so strong. Yeah. I, I, there, there's, yeah, there's an old, old, old Christian song called Join the Journey by a gentleman named Michael Card. You know, there's a joy in the journey, you know, and, and to those who don't have Christ and who are stuck in it, that sounds really weird and warped. And, and and there's some things that I cannot fully explain. Like I said, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the process that God has taken me through. Because it gives me that permission. I don't want to use I, I keep My mind still wants to say authority, and I don't want to use that word because authority can have a really negative connotation to a lot of people. You know, people don't like to be told what to do. And when someone says, I have authority to say this, it can come off that way. So that's why I keep shining from that word. But it gives me permission to speak because, you know, my book, This Much I Know the Space Between, you know, I said, Everyone has a story. This much I know. This is my story. That's all I do. I share my story. Nobody can take from me my story. They can take whatever they want from my story in terms of drawing things from it to apply to their life. But it's my story. So that's why I keep saying using the word permission and not authority. Going through everything I've gone through gives me permission to share in hopes of affecting other lives.
0: What, what for you is the, the key to empowerment?
1: Ask me that again? I'm
0: saying what for you is the key to empowerment?
1: Key to empowerment, oh wow. Um, hope, I'm a hope coach. You know, when, when, I, when I'm coaching someone or describing to somebody what I do tell them I'm a hope coach and, and they might look at me kind of weird like what does that mean and, and ultimately that means you know, what I, you know you said earlier you know I help stuck people get unstuck and that's because when you're stuck you're feeling kind of hopeless you know you can't find the way out you don't know where to go you're overwhelmed and as a hope coach we, we journey together to find the way out. And, and when, they, when clients start seeing a little bit of movement, it might just be a pinky toe movement of just one small step forward, their next step in an area. To see them come back with a smile on their face and a twinkle in their eye when maybe the week before they were kind of like looking like deer in the headlights. Because they, did, they were so overwhelmed with the gravity of the situation, they didn't know where to start. So, together we find one little place where there's a natural opportunity, but they're the ones doing the work. And, but when they do that work and they, and they come back and they say, That was okay, then they, they start seeing that hope, that glimmer of light. So, hope.
0: I love that. So tell me what's what's your style as a life coach? I mean, what 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 do you bring to the table?
1: First of all, I bring you know, I bring. Um, I'm a very easygoing coach. You know, my style here is, is my style when I coach, because you know, we're in it together. It's a journey. It's a process. it's it's it's, it's an adventure, and it's not a hierarchy. You know, coaching. By the nature of coaching, the client is the one calling the shots. The client is the one setting the agenda. The client is the one determining what they want to talk about, and and you know they, they drive the boat. So, I get to go along for the ride and maybe point out a few scenic things along the way. Along the way, um, what I what I how I describe it is, you, know, when when I, when I start when I start working with somebody. We, we talk about, you know, what's going on with the current situation. What are they doing about that situation? How are those things working? What's work with what they're doing? What's working? What's not working? What do they want to see changed? How would they like to change that? What are some ideas they've had? What are their thoughts about those? How could those become, you know, an implementation step? And then as they work on that, as they implement that step, how did that go? Did it work? Did it not? And it's a continual process of, of, of sharing the situation, what they're working on, how those things are working, coming up with new skill sets, new ideas, new, new approaches to things, evaluating that, and continuing to build on it. That's how each client takes their next step. And, and that, that process is applied no matter what the situation is. So it, it, it's a journey and it's it's a matter of what what cards do we have in the hand? How can we make that into the best hand there is? What else do we need to make that hand even better? And let's lay it down and see how it goes.
0: I love that it's just yeah, the simplicity of it is, is amazing, you know, just to to help people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go forward. What, what's your key message that you want to get out? What's, what do you want people to take away from listening to you?
1: That there's hope. I'm living example that there is hope when you can't see it. Reach out to somebody, Mm. trust somebody else. Uh, What have take the risk to believe that there's hope. And sometimes it comes down to that. When you are knee deep in it, when you're neck deep in it and you can't see the way out, sometimes you have to take the risk to believe that there's hope. And that alone is huge. And that's where reaching out comes in. So if you think about it, if you are at that last strand, if you are feeling hopeless, and just so overwhelmed, you don't know how you're going to get out of the situation. You don't know. You don't know where to start. You start believing that there's no hope. You start believing that self-fulfilling prophecy we talked about earlier. Of you believe the negative self-talk, and before long you're just screw it. I quit. And sometimes you, it comes down to kicking yourself to take the risk to believe that there's hope. Because if you're at that point, you're not believing there's hope. So the risk is believing that there's hope. You don't have to believe it. You just have to take the risk to believe that it's possible. That's 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 the message. Take the risk to believe it's possible.
0: Well, yeah, it's that's yeah. If you do nothing more, then that's that's strong enough in itself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thomas, what's a what's a bit of a guilty pleasure for you then?
1: Oh, wow, um, I love going to Christian concerts, absolutely love going to Christian concerts. Um, you know, that, that's, that's, that's just a real release for me. I, I have some friends who are musicians, um, so when they're in town, it's fun to see them as well. But just, just going out and enjoying that uh, is a real release. Um, I think another one, and I'm coming to enjoy this more, is, is just before COVID hit, I would take the day and just go to a coffee shop with a couple of friends, and we'd make it a writing day, a personal business day, whatever it was, we'd have two or three of us in, in a room at the coffee shop, and we'd literally be there eight or nine hours, and, and just hang out all day, and, and sometimes we're quiet working on our own things, other times we're balancing ideas off each other. Other times we're just talking about absolutely nothing and getting no, no work done except enjoying being with each other. Uh, so I really miss that right now, really miss that right now. Uh, that, that's just that's very enjoyable for me is just to hang out like that. And then my other guilty pleasure is retreat every year. That's, you know, that, that's a, pretty much a non-negotiable on the calendar unless something really major comes up, so.
0: That's awesome. And obviously, I mean, it, it just goes to show, and understandably, that it's such a major event for you, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. They're, those people are my tribe. They're my family. So
0: I love to see, I mean, your you're smile year to year as soon as you start talking about it and
1: oh, you know, yeah,
0: friends and family and those connections.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, because they know me, mm. I mean, that was the first place I was open with my, my story. That was the first place I took the risk to believe. When I talk about taking the risk to believe there's hope, just like my friend called it the Hail Mary, I took the risk. And and, and it was a risk. I kind of threw myself, I didn't throw myself under the bus, but I put myself out there on the road, praying I wasn't gonna get run over. And instead, everybody came around and and carried me off the road. Um, And when you experience community like that, when you experience love, Oh, there's, there's nothing like that. We see each other three days a year, but we do life together in, in our retreat rooms the rest of the year. And, and yeah, I didn't call up any of those people and I'm mean, having a bad day. They're there. You know, One person I haven't seen for a little over a year, she wasn't able to make the June retreat and, and she's like a bosom buddy. So you know, we, re, we were interacting on Facebook and we're like, we scheduled a Skype. We're like, we just need to catch up. So we're just going to do a Skype. So, you know, just, yeah, yeah. There's nothing like it. There's just nothing like it.
0: I love it. Uh, To summarize then, I mean, your calling or your purpose, what what is it for you?
1: Wow. I'm kind of of putting this together as, as it comes out of my mouth here. So it might be kind of jumbled, but I kind of like that phrase. I'm a herald, herald trumpet of hope. Nice. I mean, and and if you think, think of a herald trumpet, you know, be it you know, the Trumpeters before the Queen or at the Kentucky Derby or something, it's, they're, they're drawing attention. They're drawing everyone's attention that something big is about to happen something worthy of notice is about to happen I'm a herald trumpet of hope hope is about to happen something worthy of taking notice is about to happen A trumpet hope
0: so let's put it out there then what what is on the uh the bucket list what is on on the uh <laughs> the trumpet <laughs> list if you like
1: the trumpet list uh, of things from my life, or what?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Things that you'd like to.
1: Oh wow, uh, a few things. Um, I want to go to the East Coast and see the lighthouses. I, above my computer screen, I have a, a puzzle of a lighthouse up here. I keep looking at, and and I I, I love lighthouses, and that goes back to uh, something at CanaCup, that camp I worked out in Missouri. A gentleman named Billy Sprague was there, and, and I've told the story about Billy when we had the ski trip in Colorado, but. Um, he had written a song called I Am a Lighthouse. And it goes, I am a lighthouse for lost, heart, lost hearts out on the sea. I am a lighthouse because the Lord is living in me. and When it's dark out, his love is going to burn through the night. I am a lighthouse. He is the light. So I have loved lighthouses ever since. Um, you know, the cover of my book is a Lighthouse for a lot of different reasons. And so that, that's, that's, that's one is, is I want to see the lighthouses. Around the east coast, um, I also want to go to Guatemala. I've been to Honduras, met my kids their kids through Compassion International, been to Mexico, been to Venezuela on mission trips. But there's something about Guatemala that just I love Guatemalan coffee, maybe that's what it is, I don't know. Uh, but i want to go to Guatemala, I, I love Latin America, absolutely love Latin America, and uh, so I'm gonna do that, and um. I got a couple of big ideas for uh, for, for speaking. U- ultimately, um, I, I have a vision in my head of, of speaking to large audiences, and I'm, I'm talking like twenty and thirty thousand seat arenas, and, and having a whole program event. So, I kind of have a couple ideas of how to, how you know what that would look like. Um, that might be a little further off, but if that's what God wants to have happen, let's go for it. Um, but yeah, I, I have that in my mind too. Of you know, dream big. Dream and think
0: big, and keep going for it. So, yeah. yeah, that's it. If it's meant to be, it will be, and that's that's exactly, it.
1: exactly. You
0: know, exactly. Uh, well, listen, it's it's lovely to see that smile on your face when you talk about <laughs> the dreams you talk about. <laughs> you know, lighthouses and getting out there in Guatemala and everything else, you know, listen, and and it it goes to show and and I love to see that, you know, that herald the trumpet Trumpet of hope, you know, it it actually is that is hope as well. You know, the fact that hope that you can enjoy your life and, and, you know, sort of lean on the journey and, and, you know, sort of bring people with you. So, Mm -hmm. so once again, I mean, thank you for, thank you for sharing. Um, Just to summarize, if you want to tell people again, you know, what your fire in the belly is.
1: Yeah, my fire in the belly is believing in others and helping them believe in themselves. You know, helping them realize that no one is too far gone, that uh, you only have to be a step ahead and help the person behind you and I'm willing to walk that journey with you.
0: Awesome. So tell us, how can people reach out to you? How can they hit you up, connect to you?
1: Where yeah. do we go? Yeah, as we talked about a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm a master certified life coach and I get such great joy in helping other people uh in their journeys and one of the the things i do with podcasts i have a little free bi offer for listening your listeners If they go to sue Bowles.com forward slash podcast and 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 and, and as pete will have it in, in the notes um, you sign up there you know, send me your email and then um i have a a, a, a 15 minute free consult that i do with people if they want to talk about something, look into possibly life coaching, something that could benefit from you. I'd be happy to uh, talk with you and, you know, one, see if we're a match, but if not, see if I can help, help connect you to somebody else or give you, maybe a couple ideas of of some resources or something. So that's one thing I offer uh, to anyone listening for a podcast. So I'd love to hear from that. You know, I think that your prior show notes, you've got the the other websites, you've got the social media, you've got the book. Um, I will be, speaking at a couple conferences coming up here if you are in ohio in november i will be at the grace story women's conference outside of cincinnati november 13th and 14th i'll have a table there so i'd love to meet you come on up and just mention fire in the belly we'll have some fun
0: awesome so so just to reiterate then it says suebowls.com forward slash podcast so people can reach out to yourself and and avail of the uh, very kind offer so so It's been a pleasure again. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, I I wish you all the best.
1: I appreciate it, Pete. Thanks. Let's keep in touch.
0: Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And by the way, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.